We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast. We are, I don't know, (laughs) I'm I'm out of words for excited, ecstatic. We are intrigued by this week's episode. (laughs) Let's just say that. We're intrigued because the question we want to answer is, is love blind? What do you think, Julie? (laughs) Well, what a loaded question, especially after watching season three that just wrapped last week. I don't want to give too many spoilers. I know UA, you're only five in, Mm -hmm. but I feel like, okay, so Deep D, who we have as the guest today, I feel like she was a legend on Love is Blood. I mean, I think season one, Lauren and Cameron were just like that couple. People are always, people say there's, my favorite thing about Love is Blind is watching it, but then going to TikTok and watching all people's reactions. Like my partner and I will like lay in bed and watch TikToks and it's so entertaining. But there's a lot of people that are like, I feel like Love is Blind was solely created for Lauren and Cameron to meet each other. Because all the couples after have been kind of a train wreck. And I think it's interesting because season one, there were definitely some love stories that have still persisted. Season two, not so much. They're all divorced at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll re-answer this question. I feel like the part about love is blind that I think is too much is like getting married, barely knowing each other. But that actually isn't love is blind. Like I think the concept of building an emotional connection and letting that side overtake the physical is actually really healthy and dedicating that much time to actually forming a connection. Like we talk about in modern dating, we just don't give each other enough time. I think love, maybe love is not so much blind, but connection can be built blind. You don't need to see the other person. And the only reason why I know that is because I had a pen pal I was so in love with when I was in (laughs) Junior high. Remember when pen pals were a thing? This this came to me because someone started this pen pal chain. So you when you get oh it, God. you send uh you have a list of addresses, which is also kind of creepy. That would never happen today. No. A list of addresses, and then you send a letter to the next person on the address list, and then you become pen pals and you are supposed to like be friends. I did that too. Yeah. You did that too, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. Now I'm wondering, like, how do people get these addresses? Is there a privacy they, issue? They here? just send emails now. Probably. It's like not even in snail mail. And we were all kids at the time. Oh, there are some major privacy issues and safety issues there. But at the time, it was so great, right? Yeah. So you fell in love with your pen pal. Okay. So granted, you were in junior high. Junior high. (laughs) Had you been told, okay, now I have to marry this person, (laughs) barely seeing them. How would you feel? Julie, I would have said yes. (laughs) I pictured a life with this person. Never saw a picture. (laughs) 
just oh knew God. his name. I, there was no Google at the time. You can't. There was nothing. No information about this person other than just our correspondence over snail mail. I would have been like, hell yeah. I think it's so interesting watching Love is Blind. I know it's a reality TV show, but I do think it captures, you know, the essence of so many daters. And I love we had our past guest, Dr. Diane. She's very popular on Instagram. And she actually like dissects all the Love is Blind characters because she's a therapist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I feel like a lot of them when I'm watching, I'm like, I wish you were listening to Dateable because you're just diving into stuff. Deep D, I think, in my opinion, was still the standout character, even another season deep, no pun intended. And, you know, <laughs> we had been talking about this for a while. We're like, we, if we were to pick one person from Love is Blonde, who would it be? And I remember doing this in our sounding board group and having mm-hmm. this topic and everyone was like, deep D. The reason for that is that she sent just such a strong message of I choose myself. You know, we're going to go into Deep T's story fully, but for anyone that's unaware, like she was just, at least the way it was portrayed, and I think what she found out more after was she was, you know, not treated well by who she was with. Like he was talking Mm -hmm. a lot of shit about her, saying he wasn't attracted, things that were very hurtful, especially when you think that you're building a connection with someone. You think you're in love with this person. Yeah. And like on this season, there was the same dynamic Mm -hmm. happening with Zainab and Cole. And I'm not going to give too much away. For you, UA, because I'll just say the finale and the reunion, there's some shit that goes down with that. No way. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like we already had like a spoiler in our Facebook group, and probably for most of you that are like diehards, you've already seen it. But for UA's sake, I won't go into it too much. (laughs) I'm gonna watch it. I'll just say she did actually what was interesting, she did put up a post about all the shit that happened, and she made a comment that actually her and Deep D's weddings were only a week apart even though they aired the season years later so she didn't know that the same kind of storyline played out for deep d i'll just say it was handled in a very different way i'll just leave it at that but yeah i think the part about love is blind that can be really painful is it sets you up to connect on this emotional level but we all know that attraction does play in to some degree right or Mm -hmm. it just becomes platonic and i think it's really hard when people can't reconcile between the two and it's on TV. What I loved about Deep D was she caught my attention on the very first episode before even the yeah. whole shake thing went down. I just looked at my screen. I was so drawn to her because I was thinking this is a strong, confident woman. But this mm-hmm. show just proves even a strong, confident woman can still be blindsided by someone because when your emotions are involved, you become vulnerable to something like that. And that is okay. I think that's more of the message. It's not like, oh, even a strong ass woman can can be tricked by an asshole. No, it's like it's possible and that is okay. And we can move mm-hmm. from that as long as you recognize that you were mistreated. Yeah. And she was terribly mistreated from what we saw. It's really bad what Shake said about her. And if I had known what my partner said about me, oh I would God. be so hurt. The way she handled it with so much grace and so much empowerment, you're like, yes, deep D. And that's why we are so happy to have her on our show. But do you remember, okay, even in real life, this happens. Like, do you remember, I'm not going to say names because I'm not going to oust people, but there was a guy that you and I knew that was with his girlfriend and he would oh, talk, and talk shit about her, about her all, all the, the time. time. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I cannot think of anything worse than your partner behind your back talking about how crazy you are or annoying or how they're not attracted to you. Like, all of that, it's just so hurtful. And I'm sure she didn't know the extent of it. Are they still together? I don't know. I think they are. (laughs) That was horrible. I remember you and I were like, this is just so bad. Stop. Like, you look like an asshole at the end of the day. You're the one that looks like an asshole. If you are acquaintances with the girl and you hear her boyfriend talking shit about her, what would you do? Would you tell? Because if I were the girlfriend, I feel like I would want to know. But would I want to know from someone I didn't know very well? No, 
I mean, I didn't feel like we knew her that we okay, we, we knew him more than her and we barely knew him. He wasn't like a yeah. close friend of ours. I would never like go up to her and say something, even though, yeah, like in theory, I would want to know because the best thing you can do is choose yourself like we're talking mm-hmm. about today. But at the same time, like, how do you have that conversation? Even with a close friend, I feel like it'd be a really hard conversation. It's so hard because it'd be so hurtful. It's almost worse than telling someone their partner's cheating on them. It is. is. It's like emotional cheating in a way, like not with another person, but just deception and the way that it's going down. I mean, I think choosing yourself, it doesn't have to be so drastic either. Like I'm thinking back on my life and I definitely had a choose myself moment, especially in my past relationship for anyone that's been with us for a bit over the pandemic. We kind of gave it that like we're either doing this or we're not. And I remember I went into that totally different than I had. This was an on-again, off-again relationship that had gone on since 2015. So we dated Mm -hmm. for like a year in 2015 and then to 16. And then after that, it was kind of a cycle. And it was, you know, I still think highly of him as a person. He wasn't a bad person. He just had a lot going on in his life. And I put him first like I definitely put him Mm -hmm. first and was like oh like this needs to get fixed but once it does like we can be together and happy and all this stuff but I wasn't thinking about myself and like I'm just like at someone's mercy of them fixing things that I have no control of like that isn't really what I want and I definitely had that moment of this isn't the relationship I want this isn't the way I want to be with someone and ultimately ended it because I got to the point of choosing myself And I actually think that set me up for my current relationship because the way I went into dating was just so different. Like I wasn't thinking about this if the people liked me or you know, how do I make it work with someone that's not showing up as much as I am? I was more like, this is what I want. And I'm going to look for someone that also wants that with me. And it just was a huge mindset shift that really changed my dating trajectory. It's difficult, though. And I have to commend you for being brave enough to do that. Because sometimes, you know, you do think, well, the simple things are in order. This person likes me back. I like them. So therefore, let's have a relationship. And if it's like kind of rocky sometimes, maybe that's just a relationship, right? It's it's very easy to think that way. But when you choose yourself, you, there's actually a third person in the relationship, and that's you. And you yeah. think, okay, do I choose this other person, which is me, or do I choose to be with this partner. It's a very hard crossroads to be. We're so taught in the society to not be selfish. Selfish is Mm -hmm. such a terrible negative connotation to it. But I think it's making a comeback because being selfish means prioritizing yourself so that you can give fully to the people around you. And if you put other people before you and you haven't given to yourself fully, it's not fair to anybody in your life. Yeah. I mean, throwback to our episode last season we did with Confident Collective Podcast with Christina and Rayanne. I think that one was all about this. It was like, how do you put yourself first? But what's the difference of being selfish? And I think we're socialized, especially as women, hetero women, just the way kind of the patriarchy is with relationship to men. We've been socialized to kind of be like, oh, we'll just like do what you need in a way. Mm -hmm. And it feels wrong to put ourselves first because of the way relationship dynamics were with gender roles. But that's not the world we live in anymore. And we do need to put ourselves first. We also have this tendency, a lot of us, you know, we balance multiple people's needs. It's not just catering to one other person. And I recently faced this because I'm like trying to rearrange some travel plans and I'm trying to please everyone that would be affected. (laughs) And then I sat myself down last night and asked myself, what would you want? What is your ideal travel itinerary? Let's go from there. And it was very refreshing. Deep D was in the back of my mind going, (laughs) choose yourself. What do you want? What would make you happy? Because I realized if I had tried to please everyone, I actually end up pleasing no one. Oh I would God. come yeah. into this itinerary probably feeling tired or resentful, and then I wouldn't be able to have a good time with the people that I'm on this trip with. So yes, I think first and foremost, ask yourself, what is it that I want right now? And then you can start thinking about other people's needs. I love that because that takes it outside of dating into everything. Have you had a time, though, in dating and relationships that you you chose yourself that you can recall? Mm, good question. 
Good question. Yeah. I think saying no. Sometimes just yeah. saying no is, is good. <laughs> I've had times with, I guess not this current partner, but previous partners who've wanted to go out and I would want to please them and want to go out, mm. but I'm tired. I don't want to be out. I don't want to be at a club. I don't want to be around sweaty people. And there was one time I was like, actually, no, I'm going to stay in. And it was very freeing for both of us because he's like, great. Now I don't have to like cater to you all night. I can go out, have a good time. You have a good time. Sometimes we also think we're pleasing the other person when we're really not. (laughs) So nobody gets what they want. You know, I really like your example because, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge declaration of choosing yourself to. It definitely can. Deep D example, the example I gave, but I think it can be these micro moments too of choosing yourself. That's super important, even in the healthiest of relationships. Yeah, it's boundaries. It's boundary setting and knowing knowing what you want and getting clarity around that. Knowing your worth. Yes, I think knowing is your the worth. End of it. Yeah. This episode is so juicy. There's so much oh, in it. I love it. People will take away. I'm I'm still <laughs> thinking about it. I'm still so happy we got to meet Deep D. We're gonna yes. post a screenshot so from sweet. our interview with her. She is just as confident in person, but you know, in quotes, in person as she was on TV. She's the same person. But quiet confidence. That's what I yes. like about her. It's not like an in your face. And you know, she has a book out, which is a big reason why we did this too, called I Choose Myself. So I feel like this is the perfect co- time to have this conversation. So whether you watch Love is Blind or not, it almost doesn't matter because this mm-hmm. topic relates to everyone. And if you did watch Love is Blind, it's kind of that cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, So announcements this week. You know, really, we're in the holiday season, the time for giving, which means give us a five-star review. (laughs) (laughs) This really helps us. It helps us get people like Deep D. We're really trying to get to the 1K mark. We're at about 600, almost at 600. So help us get to 600 and then help us get to 1K. We know there are so many more people out there that listen that have not left a review like way, way more, like magnified amounts more. We know, you know, no one's like, I'm just going to write a review. It's either I know I'm annoyed by something or someone's told me a bunch of times, but here we are telling you a bunch of times and we hope you can give (laughs) us this favor. It's also the season for giving. So share this with a friend. I'm sure you have a friend out there that either needs to hear this message or can relate to this message to even just see how far they've come. Even if you're out of it, you're out of the thick of choosing yourself and you feel like you've made that progress. I know for me, just hearing it, I'm like, oh my God, it's a reflection of how far I've come. And sometimes we forget how far we've come with dating. We put things in, I'm single, I'm in a relationship, but there's magnitudes between all of it and every day is growth. So So let's celebrate that. Let's send it to a friend and follow us on Instagram so you can see these videos of Deep Tea at Dateable Podcast. Okay, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is made possible by Rakuten Kobo. Imagine having your favorite bookstore with you wherever you go or being able to access over 6 million titles at all times. Download the free Kobo app or read through one of their innovative e-readers, shop the always open Kobo e-bookstore and easily integrate the power of reading into your everyday. With Kobo Plus, an all-you-can-read e-book subscription, you can grow your library by adding as many titles as you like from the Kobo Plus Read catalog, all for one low price every month. You have access to all different types of genres with recognizable titles such as The Duke and the Last by Jesse Clever, Only One Mistake by Natasha Madison, The Baker's Creek Brothers by Claudia Burgau, and Sexy Nerd by Kaylee Loring. Try Kobo now, free for 30 days. Just visit Kobo.com to get started. That's K-O-B-O.com. Okay, let's hear it from Deep Tea, all about choosing yourself. Deep D, to say that we're excited, it's an understatement, okay? We've been wanting to get you on Dateable for a (laughs) while, but we know you were doing a lot of press after your season ended. So, you know, we let you do that. But now we get you after (laughs) your book book has come out, right? You know, we want to know all the developments, but so nice to have you here with us. And for anybody who doesn't know Deep D, she is a breakout star from Netflix Love is Blind season two. She's also the author of the book, I Choose Myself, 
famous three words. She's 31 (laughs) years old, lives in Chicago, originally from India, and pretty single, and also been taking a dating a sabbatical. You want to hear about that for sure. Let's give a recap of what Love is Blind (laughs) is and your season. Julie, do you want to do the honors? We love the show so much. Sure. Yeah. For anyone that's been living under a rock, most people probably seen this, but for anyone that didn't, Love is Blind, you basically fell in love with sight unseen and then got engaged. Like that's the kicker with the whole thing is that you have to get engaged. Deep D, you got matched up with Shake, who may have been one of the worst characters on Love is Blind. (laughs) I feel like he is (laughs) definitely got in the heat. But really what came out is that he was saying all this terrible stuff about you, like while pursuing a romantic relationship behind your back. And ultimately, when it came down to the day, do I take this person? You said those three words, I choose myself, I do not choose you. And that is clearly the catalyst. I think we've all been in that situation before where you're dating someone and you know, that respect is just lacking. And ultimately, that choice needs to be made to date yourself. So I guess like we're going to go into the choosing yourself bit. That's the crux of this episode. But from your perspective, we only saw reality TV. Like, did Mm -hmm. you know this stuff was going down with Shake? Or like, was it a surprise? Like, when did you find out that he was saying all this stuff? Yeah, I think like during filming, your emotions are so heightened. And just going through that process, like I was very invested. And it seemed like he was invested right back at me. I mean, I did see the energy shift a little bit when we were in Mexico. I could sense it, but it was really my castmates who kind of like were giving me hints about how he was talking about me behind my back. And so as we were living in Chicago and continuing, a couple of the guys and some of the girls came up to me and were like, "Um, I don't know, the way he's talking is like not the best. And so they didn't give me like actual specifics. I was just like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. But watching the show back and hearing exactly what he said was for the first time. Oh, that must be heartbreaking and shocking at the same time. What was he like with you when it was just you two, no cameras? It was fine. Honestly, it was very comfortable living with him. And that's why it was like kind of odd because we were best friends. Like we listened to the same music. We had the same type of lifestyles, I guess you could say. And like we were best friends throughout that whole experience, which is why I continued to try to be friends with him after the show aired. I had no idea the specifics around what he had said. And so we kind of fell off naturally as friends. Like, you know, a couple months later, I was like, I don't really want this type of person in my life. But it wasn't until the next year when the show aired, everything kind of unfolded. What was the most hurtful to you like that you saw? Honestly, the hurtful stuff didn't even get aired. That was wow. what really better edit, I guess you could say. I don't know. But <laughs> people um, already hated him from that. So that's I know. crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a tough I just thought I had a best friend or at least a friend in him. And you don't talk about women's bodies or degrade them in any way. And that's just who he is. And, you know, I had to set a boundary. I don't want that in my life. Nor should anyone have that type of person in your life. You know, looking back, we always say hindsight is twenty twenty, And you're in such a unique position where this is all memorialized on TV. So you can right. really look back and think, wow, hindsight's twenty twenty. While you were in it, though, when we're in these relationships, it's a little hard to not have the blind on. So when you were in this, did you see any red flags now looking back? Ah, I probably should have paused for that. A hundred percent. There's so many moments where even just even in the pods, asking questions about people's weight, asking people about their dress sizes. Can I carry you on the shoulder? Those are all red flags. Yeah. But he said the words that I needed to hear in those moments and where he caught himself and he's like, oh yeah, that's not how I should be acting. That's not what I should have said. So like for him to show remorse for those comments, made me think, oh, there's potential here. There's depth here. And maybe we can grow together in this process. And silly me, I didn't realize that change takes a long, long time. (laughs) Can't be done in six weeks. Absolutely not. And so that's where the regret a little bit comes in. But again, we had to go through it. We had to go through it for our own lessons. You did. So ultimately, you decided to choose yourself, which is the lesson. That's what I think people really resonated with. Because like I said, up top, I think we've all been in that situation before where maybe you don't realize that this person's not treating you the way that they should be. And to sign on to a lifelong marriage with them is a lot. Like what made you decide, okay, like, I don't want to be with this person. I'd rather go so 
hello than be with this person. There's so many moments where things that he would say or the way that he would act, he didn't make me feel like I was worthy enough. Like just comparing me to his Mm ex-girlfriends or comparing me to somebody on the crew. You know what I mean? It's just like there's certain ways that he would act and say things that would just be degrading. And it's just like, I don't want to be compared to anyone. I know my own worth. And it didn't take me until even a couple months after that to fully, fully realize it and understand why I had to go through what I did. So it was definitely a process. But at that altar, I just knew there's absolutely no chance. In fact, you know, when you get married in the Hindu culture, you get Mahindi and you write the initials of your partner's name. And the whole fun thing is that he has to find it. And it basically represents like how much like luck you have in your marriage, whatever else. Well, I decided to put my own name in Mahindi before the ceremony. So myself. So I like knew beforehand, it's not going to be a thing for me. So was the altar scene for TV? Because I kept thinking, if you saw these red flags kind of beforehand, why did you even go to the altar with him? Yeah, I mean, the whole premise of the show is can you make an experiment work? Mm -hmm. And the whole purpose of that is to see it through. And there was a lot of hope that I was holding out, like by living together, by sleeping next to each other, by going through all of these emotions and this journey together, can you grow into love? And it's okay if like the physical attraction wasn't there right away. Is that something that you can grow into? Mm-hmm. I know that seeing with like my parents having an arranged marriage and doing all that, they grew into their love. And so I think till the very end, I definitely held out hope that like he would just wake up and be like, I see what's in front of me. Like, I don't want to miss out on this. You know, you always have that small amount of hope, but that just never came to fruition. And that's okay. That was just our journey. Like, could you see him being that person for you? Like pending, he didn't say all these terrible things. Like, was that kind of the part that said, I choose myself? Or were there other parts along the way that you were like, "Mm, maybe I should choose myself? I think there's a lot of moments. I mean, if he was such a bad person, I wouldn't have stayed the entire time. Like, there's only so much you can cope with or like be okay with. But we had a really good time together. Mm -hmm. Like, we had so much fun. We experienced something so amazing, which is why I think all of this is so much more hurtful because while we were enjoying those moments, he was saying things behind my back. And so I think that was the most hurtful part. But for the most part, like he told me exactly what I wanted to hear. He was really kind to me. We had a good time. Like there was red flags, but they weren't so majorly blatant until after the show had aired. And then you just see like this spotlight just like made him an even worse person. (laughs) It's really scary. But you know. Yeah. And I'm just trying to relate this back to my previous experiences. There's almost a two-sidedness to it all. It's like the side Mm -hmm. that you experience together, which is the truth. That is what you were experiencing. And he Mm -hmm. even said on camera, he's like, I am in love with Deep D. I am having a great time with her. And then there's this other side, which is like, maybe it's your old ways of thinking or the side you're trying to shed that does come into play in relationships. But for Mm -hmm. you, what we observed was you did find a relationship on that show, which is a relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. What were you learning about yourself along the way that maybe surprised you? Yeah, just how strong I am. Like I've gone through a lot in my life, which is why I wrote the book. The majority of the book is about my life leading up to that altar moment mm-hmm. and not like spilling tea on top is blind. All the obstacles that I've gone through that have challenged my self-worth, like I've always looked in the mirror and hated myself. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I lacked so much self-worth. And I realized that, you know, the last two years before going on Love is Blind, I put in so much conscious effort to make myself better, to, you know, view myself in a positive way. And here comes this experience where it's challenging me to the core to remember that the opinions of other people don't define your worth. And no matter what others think of you around you, you have to continue loving yourself. And that's where you'll attract the right type of people and the right type of things into your life. So that's kind of what that entire thing has taught me. It's brought me back to, okay, kind of like putting all the lessons I've learned to the test, essentially. Yeah. I want to unpack that a little more Mm because we hear that all the time. It's like, we've done all this self-work and it may not be the exact same self-work, but you got in yourself to a place that you feel good. And then some a-hole comes out of nowhere and, you know, (laughs) like really like pushes you, right? Like, and I think people can react to that very differently. Like you could go into a downward spiral or you can rise above. Can you kind of walk us through like what was going on for you after doing this work and like, how'd you get out of it? Honestly, I have to say after that altar moment, making that decision wasn't an easy decision. It's not like it was, oh my gosh, like I choose myself. It's like after you make that decision, that's when you sit with 
with it. That's when you experience the sorrow of it. That's when you like, you know, you're like, okay, I just went through this entire experience. Yes, I feel empowered, but I also feel sad. Mm -hmm. Even making the right decision is sad sometimes. And I did spiral for a little bit. It's like, okay, how do I come back from this where it's like, I have to remember my worth. You have to continuously put effort into it. And I had to do those affirmations again, you know, work on myself, talk about my feelings because most of the time I suppress them as a South Asian woman. Like it's hard for me to talk about intimacy and to talk about my issues and problems. And so going inward was the first step. And then slowly every single day you come out of it in a better mindset and a positive thinking way. And, you know, you just get better. It's all about time and acknowledging that something has happened. Let me process it. Don't like just bury it and be like, okay, cool. I'm okay. You know, because that's when issues really start to arise. And let's really talk about that journey that you've been on. Because I read this quote recently. It was like, speak to people based on their journey, not based on who they are today. And sometimes we may judge someone in the moment, but we don't realize how far they've come. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to know, looking at the show now, what would the old Deep D have done in this situation? Oh my gosh. I was talking to my sister about this the other day. I think had I gone into that experience just a year before, I think I would have crumbled. Yeah. Like just year of work that I did on myself to really put in the effort to just be like, okay, like, honestly, the affirmations that I do every day have helped me so much just saying and because I used to have such negative self talk. So I have to consciously make positive self talk. Otherwise, you know, I can kind of spiral again. So doing that and just putting effort into fitness and meditation, and just like getting closer to my family, because I feel like I tend to try to find men to kind of fill a void. Mm -hmm. After six years of dating, somebody. I had finally been single for like a year and a half. And that's when I went into that situation. But yeah, a year before I probably would have been in such a depressive state of mind and just like really beating myself up about why can't I be worthy enough? All of those things that like, you know, you rabbit hole down, that will definitely be me spiraling. Did you ever feel this way? You said that you were in a six and a half year relationship. Did you ever feel like unworthy in that? Or was this a new feeling? No, my entire life I have felt like that, which is why I stayed in that relationship for six plus years, even though this person cheated on me, even though he was like financially dependent on me. I think I was just so scared to leave because I wouldn't find somebody else like who is going to love me. That's like the mentality I which is so sad. It's like, of course you're lovable. You know, of course you're this, you're that. But I just didn't feel good about myself. And so that's why I stayed in that relationship for too long. And so that is not a new thing for me. When I tell you in the last three, four years, I have really transformed my entire mentality. It's been great. Wow. Life changing. This was like the ultimate test for you, I feel yeah. like. You know, it's like it kind of was the universe throwing you this situation. It's like, have I grown or not? Exactly. Yeah. And just to fill in the blanks for our listeners in case they don't know your entire background. Actually, we don't know your entire background, but from what we've read and heard, you're born in India. You had a major weight gain and weight loss journey as well. You've struggled with identity, struggled with self-worth and self-image. But what was it about the show that compelled you to say, yes, I want to be on this and be part of this experiment? That is such a good question. We know originally when people started asking me this, I was like, oh, I like really wanted to find a unique love story. But like in retrospect, like thinking back on it now, I think it's like this experiment was so special to me because my entire life I've been judged by what I've looked like. And that has stopped some people from trying to get to know me more. And what a unique, cool experience to go into where someone is getting to know who you are on the inside first before ever seeing you. So the judgment of your physical appearance comes later. Mm. Does like that foundation hold up, you know? And so I think it just was really enticing and also super exciting because I'm like, whoa, like maybe this is where I'll find a crazy person who also does the same <laughs> show who's in the same boat. And I don't mean this like in a bad way at all, but I know you just said like part of the reason you stayed in the six-year relationship was low self-worth. Like Looking back in retrospect, do you think there was anything that was kind of drawing you to someone like Shake that stem from the past? Or do you think that was unrelated? You know, that is really interesting. I think about that all the time. But as an empath, I do draw in people that need a little bit of work. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. like I can relate. Yes. Yeah, like, just like a little bit of an eye hole. <laughs> <laughs> 
But honestly, though, in the pods, like people don't understand that we talked for hours, like mm-hmm. hours on end that we had so many dates and we got like pretty deep in those dates. And like there was a lot of similarities in our upbringing and the way we thought. I just feel like maybe I've progressed a little bit more than Shake has. But mm-hmm. I think we project our insecurities onto our partner sometimes. If I don't have the most beautiful person in the room, am I worthy even? That's kind mm-hmm. of his a little bit. And again, those are his demons that he has to work on. We connected, but we realized after a lot of time, it just wasn't going to work. Like our mindsets are completely different. Well, that's the part with reality TV. They don't yeah. show you, right? It's like they only show you the clips of Shake being like, what's your weight? Can I put you on my yes. shoulders? Like they don't show all the other stuff. Yes. Well, it's mind blowing for viewers to ask, how can you fall in love in such a short amount of time? But the way you're describing it, if all you have to focus on is connection. It must be so easy to fall in love with someone that you already have a connection with. That I totally get. But what we saw with Shake, which is different than your journey, is that when he was brought back to reality, all of the learnings and progress he had made in the pods went out the window because his old self came back. But you, Deep D, you just kept evolving and kept moving forward. And that's what I thought caused the divide between you two is that there was no longer growth on his end, Mm. but plenty of growth on your end. So I guess I'm not saying like, I don't want to say Sheik is such a bad person. He was a villain on the show. I'm just saying like, sometimes we just don't evolve at the same speed. And that's when you end a relationship. From Mm -hmm. your perspective, if you had to do this whole experiment all over again. What is some advice you would give to yourself on that first day of filming? Oh man, don't be so naive. Don't be so naive. (laughs) Like I tend to see the good in people all the time. And it's like, sometimes people are not good. They don't have good intentions. Mm. And it's like my entire life, I've had to learn that the hard way. And I don't know when I'm going to learn the lesson. I don't want to change and not see the good in people. I don't want to be different in that way. But yeah, just be cautious and a little bit naive with your heart. That's what I would say. I think that's such a relatable comment because we hear this all the time. It's like, I just see the good in people. We have a friend that recently got majorly taken advantage of, and it's because she sees the good in people. And you never want to say like, stop being that person. But also no one wants to see your friend getting taken advantage or being taken advantage. Like, what are your thoughts like for anyone that's struggling with that or even that you've gone through? And I'm recently going through this again. And that was another part of the I choose myself thing is being able to be a good person, but also setting boundaries for yourself Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know what, like I want the best for both of us in this situation, but from my perspective, like I can't overextend myself in this way or like, and sometimes like even just going out, you know, sometimes your friends get upset. Why aren't you coming out? It's like, I have to set a boundary for myself. Like I need to not do that. There's lots of ways that you can kind of choose yourself in that way. But yeah, I would say practicing boundaries and being healthy about it. Like you can be selfish sometimes times. And it's not selfish. It's just self-care. And you can say, hey, you know what? Like I need to take time to comprehend this or understand this and just have downtime so that I can be a better version of myself when I see you next. You know, whatever it takes to kind of, I always say it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. And setting boundaries is a big one, especially for me, for sure. Because I'm always like, a, I want to people please, you know. You take on people's feelings too. So you want to be there for them, but it can't be at the cost of your feelings and the cost of your mental health. How do you prevent being too jaded then? (laughs) If your learning is don't be so naive, you know, you still still see the good in people, but don't be so quick to see the good in people. Then Mm -hmm. how do you prevent yourself from being that person that's like, all men suck. I don't ever want to date. I'm just going to be alone. See, I think you have to find the balance between that because honestly, there's going to be so many variations of people and situations. I think through meditation, I've really realized how strong my intuition can get. And when you're going through and navigating life, your body and the universe, weirdly, like it speaks to you. Like if you feel uncomfortable in a situation or if something someone said is like irking you, it's something that you need to address. If there's a feeling in you that you get where you're like, okay, that gives me the ick or okay, this feels like the right thing to do. And I feel like following that intuition and that gut along with just having fun and just not taking life too seriously. I think that's kind of what works for me. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? How do you not get chicken? I don't <laughs> it's know. It's a million dollar question. 
It really is. Because you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your heart. But you also have to stay open-minded to the universe, to all the people that you're going to meet. And you can't judge people by the moment you meet them. There's a lot of getting to know each other there. But then it's like, where do you draw the line of, am I giving this person too many chances to I'm just staying open-minded? Yeah. I actually think it comes back to choosing yourself, too. And Mm -hmm. it is a hard line because, yeah, you always want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but not too much of the benefit of the doubt. I think it's getting clear on what your needs are, at least for me. When I got super clear on this is what I need in a partner, this is what's important. When people weren't meeting that, instead of being like, let me force them to do that, which I did before for many years, I tried to make people who I wanted them to be. It's accepting like that's not who they are. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with me. They're just not my person. Let's keep going and finding that person. And I think it's the I choosing myself. It's like, I want a relationship that looks like this. Like, who's going to be the person that fits that? I'm not going to make someone be it, right? Yeah, you can't fall in love with potential or what you think someone might be for you. And it has nothing to do with you if someone's like, oh, I don't think that you person for me. It's like, okay, cool. Like we're not compatible. Mm -hmm. Thank you for not wasting my time. And, you know, let's be honest. That's why I think we have to let go of expectations in certain relationships or situations and just let what comes come and let what goes go. You know, I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of a big deal because then if you don't get attached so much to every scenario or every expectation, it's easier to let go and keep flowing with life. Mm -hmm. I think like the rejection piece is game changing too, when you can stop looking at it as rejection. Even your situation, just thinking about it, it's hard to let go of someone for no one. You know, it's almost like I'm walking away from this without a person, even if they're not the right person. Like, how did you start to reframe rejection in this I choose me mentality? Hey, I've had a lot of experience with rejection. (laughs) Good to go. Haven't we all? Yes. (laughs) It's a good thing. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, most of the time after a rejection, you feel so down on yourself because you introspect and you you're like, okay, what's wrong with me? What is it about me that this person doesn't like? And so I think you have to retrain your brain in the moment that you're even having those types of thoughts. And you're like, wait, why am I internalizing this? This is an external person's problem. I know who I am as a person. Like you really have to change the narrative in your own head, like yes. right away. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned to do. And in a high emotional state, it's hard to regulate those thoughts. But I think when you're sitting with yourself, you're like, okay, I understand why I had those thoughts. Give yourself grace and then change the narrative. <laughs> That's easier said than done (laughs) because when your pride, ego, feelings are hurt, it's hard to flip the switch on that. But in your example, we saw on TV, we witnessed you turn rejection into an opportunity to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the lesson we've learned is that when one door closes, a million other doors open for you. Not only did you become this breakout star and everyone's saying, I'm choosing myself, but also (laughs) you're an author now. You can really speak on this platform. You can be almost loud and proud with what you've learned. So I commend you for that. And also you're Mm -hmm. just living proof that rejection is redirection into something that's much more exciting and more fitted for you. Mm -hmm. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. This episode is sponsored by Vaya. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Vaya has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Vaya also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. 
With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go back to this connection piece as we're talking about like giving people a chance and falling for the wrong people. I want to talk about like this false sense of intimacy in the pods because mm. I realize with every season of Love is Blind, people fall in love based on their similarities. Mm-hmm. You and Sheikh had the whole, oh, I've never dated an Indian person. You would be my first and that we come from the same cultural background. And then you're like, oh my gosh, me too. Mm-hmm. The current season is like, I'm really into fitness. Me too. I'm I'm so into fitness. We must fall in love and we're the perfect match. We see that happening in real dating. Just like you people connect based on similarities, but we see that that's not sustaining. Where else do you think people can connect better on that's outside of similarities? That's a great question. And we had so many questions laid out for us. That's what you see on the back of the book. Oh, interesting. It's just like questions that you can ask your person. There's like a theme of the day, whatever else. But I would say it is hard because when you're in such an emotional state, you just connect so quickly and you like you like the sound of their voice and like love what they're saying. And then those similarities connect to you. And so again, just like physical intimacy, you tend to forget about the characteristics that you're really looking for in a partner. Mm. Or if you say something like, oh, I'm looking for somebody who's active. I'm looking for somebody who's creative. The other person just naturally tends to be like, oh, I'm that person. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Like, yeah. yeah, that's me. But it's harder to say those things than actually putting it into practice and being those things, right? And so I think sometimes we tend to get ahead of ourselves and we get caught up in the feeling of that similarity, like you said, or that familiarity with that person. And you ride that wave instead of being like, wait, I see this one little red flag and I know that's going to stop me later, but I'm going to ignore it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it comes down to like the way we date is not in a choosing myself mentality. It's a I want to be chosen mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why it's like, oh, I'm a little active, you're a little active. Great. I can be active now. (laughs) I can be that person. Yeah. yeah, They're like looking for someone that runs like half marathons and you're like, well, you know, I walk around the block. I'm clearly active, right? What does it mean? But I think that's because we don't want to be rejected. We want our self-worth to be defined by this other person. And what it sounds like you've like made the jump to, and I really think this is the key of dating, is to find that within yourself or within loved ones that are not 
a romantic partner and not make yourself mold and instead look at it like, okay, this is who I am. If this person isn't the right match for me, then like we're just going to go on our separate ways. Not I need to mold myself into that person. And honestly, I'm victim of that in my last relationships, even with Shake, and I saw myself doing it a little bit with Kyle also, is I would mold into their life a little bit and be like that perfect version for them. I would like slowly start to do things that I knew they would like. It's to create this attachment essentially. And you're like, oh, they're not going to leave me because I am trying to be the perfect version of me for them, but not just a perfect you you, for yourself. And so, you know, I tend to put other people's needs before mine. And that's when you see the shift happen because people can recognize when you don't love yourself. That shit is like exuding, you know? Yeah. When you just like put that love inward, you just become so much more radiant. And that's what draws people in. I think the other way it's like when you get attached, people are like, you're indisposable essentially because you're like, oh, well, like she'll do whatever. Yep. And it for granted. It's the opposite of the intention, which is funny. Exactly. It's just like human nature to just take advantage of something that's always there. I think of the metaphor, like, are you a tree that's growing or are you a river that's just flowing into someone else's river? And if we can just stand tall as trees and we're growing, we can coexist together, but you don't necessarily have to morph into someone else's space. And you brought up Kyle, so we might as well just go there. Uh, (laughs) Kyle was another cast member. I think he was in one of the cringiest relationships I've ever witnessed on <laughs> reality uh, yes. TV where the woman did not want him or want to choose him. But he's such a great guy and also a fan favorite. And you two had a relationship. What happened with Kyle after the show? Kyle was my number two person in the pods, which a lot of people don't know. But yeah, after filming had wrapped, I mean, we like kind of connected a little bit. We started chatting a little bit just to be like, oh my God, I never saw you. Like, I haven't seen you still. And I think a couple months after filming had wrapped, we were all hanging out as a group. Like we would have group gatherings. Actually, Shake would organize those weirdly. But anyways, <laughs> weird. We well, yeah, there's a lot that happened after the filming. Shake and I slowly like we stopped hanging out. Like I just didn't really enjoy being around him. But Kyle and I got to know each other so much more. We created this amazing friendship. He's became one of my best friends. And obviously there was romantic feelings considering we dated in the pods and whatnot. So anyways, come after the altar filming, we were kind of forced to address the feelings that we kind of were hiding for each other. And we thought, let's jump into it. It's now or never like we have feelings for each other. If we don't do something about it, like, are we going to regret it? Our whole thing was we didn't want to lose our friendship, but sadly, that's kind of what ended up happening after dating. It's hard to get that back. (laughs) It's hard. I read the perfect quote the other day. It was like, you don't get to have two versions of me again, which is like Mm -hmm. the version Mm. you used to have as a girlfriend and one now as a friendship. Like I can't exist in both of those worlds anymore. Mm. So sweet. It's like dark, but (laughs) So what ultimately made it not work? Like, did you have one of these, I choose myself mentalities, even though it wasn't maybe as toxic as the shake situation? There was just so much change happening in both of our lives post-show and we were kind of navigating it all. We were trying to figure it out. And I don't think the timing of jumping into a serious relationship after that, like during that time was smart of us because I'm looking for something serious. And, you know, Kyle's like trying to figure out what he wants out of life still. He's trying to figure Mm. out career where he's going to go. And so there was a lot of uncertainties there and we weren't talking about the important stuff in Mm -hmm. our relationship. Like, what are our love languages? How do we, you know, we just kind of like dove in head first, I think. And there was so much pressure from the public. It was too much. So we Mm. kind of needed time apart to grow separately. I think you raise a good point, though. Like, I choose myself. It doesn't have to be this, like, this person is saying all this nasty stuff about me. Sometimes it's just like our lives aren't aligned and this is what I want. And I know this person isn't there or they're not going to give it to me. Exactly. And we had like a really mature conversation about it. We had full intention to be like, okay, we're going to stay friends. Like we're not going to lose each other. But as kind of the months unfolded and things just got a little too messy. So we're just like, you know, we got to just take time apart. But you also said you're taking a dating sabbatical. So tell us more about that. (laughs) Honestly, this is another thing. I jump from relationship to relationship Uh so quickly. I'm like, for once in my life, I'm so happy just being by myself, working on my projects, like focusing on my family and my friends. Like I'm just 
placed in such a good place. I honestly feel like if I were to be in a relationship right now, it would add so much more effort. Like it would, you know, it would mm. just be like, okay, that's like a, another layer of something that I have to think about where it's like, you have to give it time and energy, right? And I kind of want to pour that into me right now. Mm -hmm. I've been neglecting me for a little bit, so. Good. I know you talked a little bit about affirmations and meditation and some of this other stuff that's helped you connect with yourself and put yourself first with relationships. And in this case, taking time out of a relationship. Can you kind of walk us through a few more of those tactical approaches you take? Like, what is an affirmation you say, for instance? Okay, every morning, first of all, this has been game changer for me. Before I touch my phone and like get the external noise in me, I say three things that I'm grateful for every morning. And that changes my entire trajectory of the day because you look for things that you're grateful for all the time throughout the day when I start my day like mm. that but affirmations in the mirror like I am strong I am beautiful I am worthy I don't chase I attract mm -hmm. like these are all the things like my heart is open to like, receiving love joy happiness and abundance just things like that that kind of just like raise my vibrational frequency I think has been so good and meditating I'm not gonna lie to you in the last couple couple months I've had so much anxiety mm. like so much like it's just like I'm like okay why can't I just like rid of this feeling and it's because I'm not addressing my emotions internally like I'm just suppressing everything I'm like oh yeah everything's fine like mm -hmm. everything's okay and it's like sometimes it's okay not to be okay like you need to talk about it and like you know let out your feelings a little and so meditation just sitting with your breath it just brings you back to the present moment you're like oh, I'm calm okay this feels really good so that's kind of what meditation has helped me with. How long do you meditate for? Honestly, I used to meditate for a lot longer, like 20, 30 minutes. But lately, I've just literally been doing five minute meditations, 10 minute meditations, like very chill nighttime. It's mm -hmm. great. And is there like an app you follow or something that you follow? Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of waking up with Sam Harris? No. Okay. With meditation, it's very like nitpicky on who you listen to, because if you can yes. even hear a breath or like a yes. something, yes. I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Uh, yes. Lip smacking. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, no, ASMR. We're not here for that. Right, right. But I love Sam Harris's voice. I think it's just so calming. Yeah. And most of the time I just self-meditate, which is great. Let your mind just go. Okay. So ultimately you're taking the break, but ultimately you do want a serious committed relationship. Like how do you think this choose me mentality or choose myself mentality, like how do you think you'll take that into a serious relationship where it's important not to lose yourself as we've established earlier, but also like you do need to adapt to another person too. So there is a little bit of a balance. What are your thoughts? I think the main thing is don't pour too much love into other people's cups because then, you know, you're depending mm. from yourself. And I tend to do that a lot and I have I think so my new approach in dating is really just match the energy mm -hmm. you know like whatever it is that you want to give give if they don't match it then pull back a little bit like I think it's like an adjustment thing I don't know I'm just praying that you know at a random grocery store I'll run into my person <laughs> and you probably will <laughs> are you guys single or dating we're both in relationships yeah okay so the dating world is tough out here yes I'm not we hear that uh, we're, we're aware yes <laughs> we have a whole podcast about it, by the way. <laughs> but I think the matching the energy is really important because like, I know for me, that was game changing of like kind of what I was saying earlier is like, I knew what I was looking for. And instead of looking at it, like, let me try to fit them in. It's more of, okay, this is where I'm at. This person is not giving it to me. Like, you can mm -hmm. pull back or have a conversation, but you can also just say like, this isn't it, right? Yep. You know, that all is dependent on the situation, of course. But I think that's such good advice of how do you focus on people that are also focusing on you? And that's not in a, I feel like it can come off a little selfish sometimes. I think women, especially, like we all feel like we're always being selfish when we're not. It's just, I'm not going to give to people that aren't giving to me. Like that's just basic love for yourself and respect for yourself. Not even love respect. Yeah, totally, totally. But you know what the, a funny caveat to that is? Why is it that we always chase the person that doesn't want us? Always. Like it's something yeah. that you about Always. it and you're like 
I'm going to get him to like me. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's the validation. I think that's what it is. It's like when you are looking for validation and worth in other people, it feels like more exciting than someone else because you have to win them over. It's like this achievement or a mountain you've climbed, you know, it's kind of like any other thing too. It's when you're walking down a flat path, like that's not exciting, but you're climbing Mount Everest, like you've done it, right? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I just had a conversation with a girlfriend of mine this morning about this. And she's like, I'm seeing this guy. He's doing all the right things. He's great. He's just too eager. He's so communicative and wants to hang out and I need a little bit of chase. And I was like, girlfriend, I think you need to look inward and think, why is it that you need the chase? And sometimes it does boil down to self-worth. When you have low self-worth, it's not just that you look at yourself as low. You also place value on other people, right? If you think about it. So if you have low self-worth, you're obviously putting high value on someone who doesn't treat you right. So therefore you feel like I can get validation from someone who's more worthy. And in her case, she's like, this guy's less worthy because he's not chasing me. So therefore, I'm not getting the validation. So I think this is like it's a mind fuck. You're like, oh, wait, hold on. Self-worth also plays into how I view other people. <laughs> I have some quick just behind the scenes of reality TV questions because I'm just dying to ask you these, but these are quick fire. Okay. How long were you actually in the pods for before you fell in love? 10 days. 10 days. Okay, I knew that. Sound system in the pods. We hear you all perfectly, but what are you hearing on your side? Is there a speaker? Yeah. So, you know that wall that you have? Yeah. There's a literally a speaker at the bottom of it. Oh. So they're like right into it. And then, of course, we're mic'd. And then there's camera people. All around. They're just <laughs> Oh, my gosh. How much time did you have with each person? So many hours. 40 plus hours. Wow. 40 we plus. 40 plus because in the morning we would have like our day dates. At first, when we had a lot more people, those would be shorter. But when we got down to two, three people, that's the only two, three people we would talk to all day. And then we'd have night dates all the way until two in the morning. Two in the morning. Damn. And then one last question. Were the producers feeding you stuff about the person? No, you're not. You don't have ears. Ah, You don't have. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Actually, I'm surprised. Very last question. Do you think love is blind? Like having gone through this? <laughs> I think love can be blind, but it really depends on the person and their intentions and their mindset of it all. Like it's kind of like an arranged marriage. Right. There's a reason why divorces are not so prominent in arranged marriages yeah. is because both people's mindset is no matter what happens, we're making this work. No matter what issues arise, we're going to try to make it work. Right. And that's not always healthy, but the mindset of it is the same. I mean, I think there are unhealthy and healthy parts of this whole experiment in every Thing, but I think the part that is so healthy is that, I mean, well, I have to caveat this. You probably can't make dating your entire job that you're spending all these 40 <laughs> hours getting to know someone, but you're giving someone time, which is something that we see that people aren't doing in the real world. I mean, I think like this conversation's been so great. There's been so many takeaways. I think first and foremost, we have to remember that relationships aren't the entirety of us. Our most important relationship is still with ourselves. at the end of the day. So if you feel like your needs aren't getting met, you feel like this person isn't the right person or they're mistreating you, it is so important to choose yourself. So often people, and I've been guilty of this before too, it's like I want to be in any relationship that it feels better to be with someone. So you have someone to talk to your friends about or you just feel like you're winning and you're succeeding because you have someone. But ultimately, the only way to find the right person for you is to be single and to let the wrong people go. So it's you're doing yourself a disservice. And I wish I could get the years back that I didn't Mm. choose myself, that I chose this person that was not choosing me and putting yourself in the driver's seat of your love life. We've said that over and over again on this podcast, but I really believe this at the forefront is this I choose me mentality. And whether you're dating in a relationship, single as fuck, it doesn't matter. Like if you can think about, look, I need to choose myself. And that doesn't mean you never compromise with a partner, but I'm going to tell them what I need. I'm not going to just bend over backwards and do whatever. That's choosing yourself. Even if it's not 100% your way all the time, you're still choosing yourself by standing up for yourself. So those are kind of my biggest takeaways from this convo. I love that. I totally agree with you. 100%. You agree so much that you wrote a book about it. (laughs) 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 That's how much you're platform has influenced us. We commend you for 
being who you are and knowing who you are and owning up to who Deep D is. And we've just had such a great time watching you evolve on the show and now getting the behind the scenes look at who you are, Deep D. And I, I would say authentically, you are who you are now compared to who you were on camera. There is no disconnect between your yeah. on-camera personality to who you are right now, unless if you're really good at acting all the time. <laughs> You're 24-7. You're like, no, I'm not. She's just on all the time. She's so, you're just so consistent. My biggest takeaway is when you choose yourself, it's about filling your cup so that you can be there for other people. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you don't have a full tank of gas in your car and you pick someone up, you can only go so far in your trip. And then maybe then you have to rely on them to jumpstart your car or to rely on them to get you some gas. Then you can't get anywhere in your own vehicle. But if you have a full tank of gas, you feel like you're equipped to take other people on the ride. And if they choose to get out of your car at some point, you're like, it's fine. I still have my full tank of gas. I'm still going where I need to be. But if you need to get out, you can get out. Doesn't affect me. I love that about your message. And my final takeaway is I think it could be a really fun experiment for people to take one day a week and just focus on connection. We don't have the luxury of speaking to someone 40 hours a week about our connection, but maybe just one day and choose Mm -hmm. the person that you really want to get to know from the apps or you met once or twice and say, I just want to get to know you. Let's just have a phone call and get to know each other. Having that intentionality behind getting to know someone is kind of key to establishing a foundation for a relationship. So especially if you compare it with getting to know yourself too, because I think ultimately that's what I'm hearing too. And we've seen this with ourselves, with other people. When you really know yourself, that's the key to finding the right partner. It's all these years of not really knowing yourself or adapting or molding or trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. That's the times like if I look back on the times where I'm just like, what was I doing? That's what it was. Who are you when no one is looking? Yes, that's your most authentic self. So Deep D, your book, I'm guessing people can get it wherever books are sold. Actually, it's exclusively on Amazon. Oh, it's exclusive. Okay. Yeah, it's so on Amazon. Amazon, that's where most people get their books anyway. So yeah, it works yeah. out. Exactly. But yeah, the audiobook has already been recorded. So stay tuned for a release date. Great. It's coming out soon. And I'm super excited that. Yeah, recording that okay. was intense. <laughs> a beast, I'm sure. There's a link in my bio on my Instagram too. We, I was going to ask if there's anything else on the horizon. I'm guessing the audiobook. Anything else we should be aware of? Actually, I have a podcast coming out in the new year, Ooh. so I'm sure Ooh. I'll be in touch with you guys. And yeah, some What's exciting... that going to be about? Um, We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Everyone needs to stay on it. When is that going to be released? Do you know or still deciding? Early next year. Okay, cool. We'll follow Deep D, get first in line for for this mystery podcast, we will be. So. It's called Getting Deep with Deep D. I already know it. I see I see the cover. It's all, all about getting deep in life. If it wasn't deep called in that yourself. before, now it is. I love it. <laughs> She's Fantastic. like, let me chop that down. Thank you, Deep D, for your time. Thank you to our listeners for being part of this fantastic episode. You know, something that really helps us get great guests like Deep D is when you give us a great Reading and review in Apple Podcasts. When you give us five stars, someone like Deep D sees it. She's like, yeah, they seem legit. I'll go on their <laughs> podcast. I'll chat with these girls. And then here she is. So that's how it works. It's cyclical. Pay it forward. You're paying it forward by giving us ratings and reviews. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay Dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.